0: Welcome, everybody, to episode two of One Day or Day One. Uh, today, I'm really excited, and we're talking about finding your why. Uh, we're also talking about Inky Johnson. Uh, Inky Johnson is one of my favorite motivational speakers and someone that has lived a life of true grit. Inky Johnson grew up a, in a two-bedroom household with 14 people living there. He worked from a young age to produce results in his football career so that one day he could provide for his family. Said from as early as he can remember, he was going to make it to a D1 football scholarship. And when he finally reached his goal, just as he was about to make it to the NFL, he suffered a life-altering career-ending injury. This injury was nerve damage to his right arm that would hinder his ability to use his arm for the rest of his life. Here, he had a decision to make. Either he gives up on life because he can never fulfill his career as a star football player, or he still chases his why. What is Inky Johnson's why? Inky Johnson's why was never about playing football, although he loved the game. His why was to be able to give his family the life they deserve. So Inky could have quit, never went on to achieve his goal of giving his family a better life because of his, his depression or his sadness about never playing football again. But instead, he resurrected his why and physically did what he had to do to achieve his why. Before I leave you with a speech from the man himself, I wanted to give you Inky Johnson's definition of motivation. And that is that motivation is often nothing more than forcing people to do something they don't really want to do. In contrast, inspiration affects people from within, giving them the ability to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible. Right here, Inky Johnson saying that motivation is, is an external thing that comes in from multiple different sources, and, and we'll get you out of bed in the morning, you know? But in contrast, inspiration comes from within. Inspiration is your why. Inspiration is something that you think about in the morning and gets you to do something later on in the day. It gives you the ability to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible, he says. Impossible because if you did not have that why, you wouldn't be able to do that thing that you need to do. I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, I hope you gained something from this talk today. And I encourage you to follow Inky on Instagram or maybe even attend one of his sermons one day. Uh, Now, here is the man himself, Inky Johnson. Thanks for listening.
1: Jeremiah 29, 11 reads, For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you're not the home, you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. I feel like I'm living that plan out. I feel like the things that happen to us in life, they're not designed to stop us. The design to reposition us so we can come in contact with what God really has for us. And so everything that that I do, man, I do it to honor God because I feel like God gave me a second chance at life. And so I feel like I'm doing what God put me on this earth to do. You see, my mother had me when she was 15 years old, right? Over on the east side of Atlanta, we came up in this neighborhood by the name of Kirkwood, drug dealer on every corner, gang members in the neighborhood, two-bedroom home, 14 people, used to sleep on the floor. Got the opportunity to sleep in the bed. One time out of the week, it was six of us in the bed, three at the foot, three at the head. And I came up with this dream pretty quick. I said, man, I want to go to the NFL because I had eight uncles in that house, all eight of which are still going in and out of prison. And so pretty quick, I said, man, I want to go to the NFL. So I went to my big cousin mom one night. I said, man, listen, I want to go to the NFL. So we got to work for this thing. So the thing we're going to do every night, we're going to be patient, we're going to engage in consistent action. Every night, we're going to race light pole to light pole, no shoes. So every night we would get out on the street, race light pole to light pole. One night, a coach came down the street. He signed me and my cousins up for organized sports, right? First time being in organized sports. We get in organized sports. The thing was, after practice, everybody would leave to go home. And I always had to sit on the bench and wait on my mother because she worked at winning. And so when my mother would show up in the park, it would be about 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night. So I'm sitting there, and when my mother would pull up, she drove the old Buick Regal hubcaps off the car. Seats torn up. The car was all beat up. And she would pull up in the park, 10.30 at night, I would jump off the bench, I would sprint over to my mother, I would say, Mom, if you don't mind, can you please sit back in your car and turn on your car lights? I have to do some extra drills, I have to go to the NFL, she would never have to work another day in your life. And I knew my mother was tired. And every night, my mother would sit back in that car and those car lights would hit that field when he had a seven-year-old kid doing backpedaling drills, running sprints, running laps, chasing his dream to go to the NFL, but just beyond those car lights, I could always connect with my mother's eyes. And so it made me dig a little bit deeper. It made me push myself a little bit further. It made me work a little bit harder. It created a certain level of sweat equity in what I was doing. It created a certain level of pride. And so I went to Krim High School, one of the lowest performing public schools in the whole state of Georgia. Dropout rate, higher than the graduation rate. And so the summer going into my senior year, we got blessed with a new coach. He came to me. I was done with football. He said, man, please come and work out for me. Just do one workout for me. I said, okay, coach, I'll come out, I'll work out. I ran a 40-yard dash, I did some cone drills. He came up to me after the workout. He said, son, what college do you want to go to? I said, man, I just want to go D1. He said, no, you're not hearing me, son. What college do you want to go to? I said, man, I just want to go D1. He said, after the first couple of games, we'll put together a tape and we'll see what happens. After the first two games, I had nine touchdowns. It was all she wrote from there. And I'll never forget the day the University of Tennessee came in and a coach took a chance on me. He sat down with me and he said, son, I want to offer you a full scholarship to the University of Tennessee. It was so crazy, I responded and I told him, I'm coming. And he laughed, he said, son, I don't even think you understand how the whole process works. I said, no, I don't think you understand. I said, you are talking to a kid that comes from a 2 bedroom home, 14 people. You're talking to a kid that every morning when I caught the bus, I would race to be the first one at the bus stop. and I'll be standing there shaking my book bag and my jackets out to make sure there were no roaches and rats. So when I tell you I'm coming, I am coming. You don't even have to waste the university's money. I don't have to see the campus. I don't have to see the city. You offer me a scholarship, I'm coming. But when I got up to the University of Tennessee, it was simple. It was simple for me to give everything I had. My freshman year, I played special teams. My sophomore season, I broke the star lineup. Had a really strong sophomore season. The summer heading into my junior year, I still remember the day where I was sitting in our film room. and I was watching film on the California Bears. My defensive backs coach, Larry Slade, came in the room. He said, Inky, I got some good news for you. I dropped the click. I said, what is it? He said, man, you're projected top 30 draft picks, son. Huh? He said, all you have to do is play the next 10 football games. You're an automatic multimillionaire. I went out of the room. I called my mother and my grandmother on the three-way. I said, after this season, there will be no more struggle. I said, we would never miss another meal. I said, we would never experience another Christmas where we have to stand on the side of the curve and just be grateful. And I hung it up. First football game, I went out played great. Got an interception, shut Cal down. Second game, we're playing against Air Force. Got late in the game, fourth quarter. Guy dropped back, he threw the ball to a receiver coming out my sideline. Me and the guy, we went head on. Soon as I hit the guy, I felt as if every breath of my body left. Body went completely limp, fell to the ground, and I blacked out. Never happened to me before. When my eyes opened, I'll never forget, my teammates ran over. They said, Ink, get up, let's go. I said, I can't. I said, I can't move. They said, what do you mean you can't move? You're on a lockdown corner, man, we need you. Let's go. I said, I know, man, but this time I can't move. I flipped my head up to the sky, said, God. I said, surely nothing has happened in this moment that can alter my life. They got me over to the hospital. They took me back. They ran CAT scans. They brought me back into my room. And all in a 15-second time frame, the doctor came running in from the opposite side. He said, hey, get in here. We got to rush this guy back to emergency surgery. He's about to die. I said, what? He said, son, you have busted up subclavian artery in your chest. You're bleeding internally. We have to rush you back, take the main vein out of your left leg, plug it into your chest in order to save your life. When I opened my eyes from recovery, the same doctor was over me. He said, son, I have some good news and some bad news for you. I said, you got some bad news for me? I have to tell him I was about to die. I'm still alive. How bad can it get? I'm still here. He said, the good news is we saved your life. I said, thank you, sir. He said, the bad news is, Inc., you have nerve damage in your right shoulder. I said, OK, cool. He said, but son, it's a strong possibility that you probably can never play the game of football again in your life. I said, no way. I said, no disrespect to you, Doc, but I've been working for this ever since I was seven years old. I said, no disrespect to you, Doc, but you wasn't in the park with me and my mother when I was seven years old, and she was sending that beer that she got done working at Wendy's. No disrespect to you, Doc, but you didn't come up in that two-bedroom home, fourteen people sleeping on the floor. No disrespect to you, Doc, but you didn't miss those meals and stay focused and never made an excuse. I never cheated. I never cheated. Like my conscience, still until this day, won't let me, like I can't cheat. I can't look myself in the mirror and say, Ink, you did a good job knowing that I cheated. I can't cheat. One of the greatest pieces of advice that my mother gave me was this. Son, whenever you start, you make sure you finish it. And the problem with the world today, people get involved with things, and if they don't like a certain person, if they don't like the process, if it's not what they thought it was, they quit. And what they don't understand about quitting, quitting becomes a habit that doesn't just affect you. Later on in life when you get a wife and you get some kids or you get a family, it's gonna come back to hunt you and it will one day affect them. That is why I tell you the process is more important than the product. It's not even about the outcome for me. It's about can you take pride in what you do as an individual and every night when you look in the mirror, knowing that you gave everything you add to it. And we have to get to the point where we're willing to impose our will on certain things. Impose your will on it. My life totally changed. And they gave me an opportunity to stop. And most people, when you give them an opportunity to stop while they're chasing something, they take advantage of it because they feel as if, man, why did this have to happen to me? I felt as if, why not me? This is the perfect opportunity to use this to be a blessing to somebody else. And you know what? It's not even about me to be truthful. It's not even about me. Now it's about repairing the people that invested in me and saw something in me when I couldn't see it in myself. At a certain point in life, it can't just be about you. And the moment that we understand that and every day we wake up, we understand that life is a blessing and life is a gift. And if you were to check out today, how would you want to be remembered? It's bigger than you. And no money doesn't have to be attached to it. It's about learning to work from the inside out in life and not from the outside in. When you work from the inside out in life, you understand your why, you understand your how, and you understand your what.
0: Hey, guys, if you stay till the end, thank you. I wanted to leave you with one little tidbit. If today's the day that you're listening to this and you're feeling down and you're going through something, make today day one. Make today the day you find your why. Think about the reason that you would want to accomplish your goals and make it happen. Thank you for listening.